Hey folks, welcome to the podcast. Um, catching up today with uh, Ari from Saltwater and Stars. We got together last, uh, just over a year ago in episode 96. If you haven't listened to that, uh, some of this goes back to it, so you might want to track that down. I also want to take a moment and thank everybody who is supporting the Patreon. Uh, this month I am rolled out the uh, Facebook group, and although with all this coronavirus stuff going on, I've been a little slow getting that going. Uh, folks there are going to also get a free pass for my uh, learning tarot class, which I'm teaching on May 2nd, and uh, stuff is going to start ramping up there over the next little while. So if you are not a supporter of the Patreon, you might want to head over there to patreon.com slash the hermit's lamp. Uh, if you sign up uh, at any level, you get early access to every episode. For this episode, that means that it dropped uh, on Saturday, and for everybody else, it came out on Tuesday. Uh, you also, if you support at the $5 level, you get access to the bonus material. For this episode, Ari and I talked about all of our practical tools for getting present and staying present. It'll make a lot of sense when you listen to the episode. And if you support at the $10 level, you get to participate in the Facebook group where there will be uh, all sorts of extra material uh, as well as extra classes and other great freebies going on there. So thank you all for your support. If you're not supporting it, think about how much of this podcast you've listened to and consider uh, pitching in. Everything helps. Hey everybody, welcome to uh, another episode of the Hermit Set Podcast. I am uh, here today with uh, Ari from Saltwater and Stars. Uh, you know, uh, last year, I just looked it up about a year ago, almost to the day, um, we recorded a podcast on, uh, you know, Love, Spirit, Polyamory was the title for it. Uh, and we've been chatting some in between and I kind of thought that during this uh, quarantine time, having an episode about relationships might be an interesting thing, you know, because there are a lot of people in a lot of situations uh, that are suddenly different in one way or another. So, you know, as well as all the sort of other differences that are happening. Um, but, you know, I guess in, in case people don't know who you are, why don't you introduce yourself again? Uh, yes, introductions. Um... So I'm Ari, as he said. I'm an astrologer, a bruja. Um, I live in Central PA. My family is from Puerto Rico and New York. Um, yeah, I'm a writer, a poet, and that pretty much sums it up. Cool. Um, so I guess I guess one of the things that we could maybe start by talking about is. Um, What's what's going on for you, or, or what do you care to share around, like your life and relationship now? You know, we're all we're all in lockdown, you know, or we're all ideally mm -hmm. uh, socially distancing, or you know, as I, I hear they want us to call it now, physically distancing because they don't want to under undermine the social part. Uh, you know, social spaciousness. Social spaciousness, <laughs> right? Um, you know, what's what's going on for you with this? Yeah, this actually interestingly has me thinking so much more about relationship or so much more clearly because I'm always thinking about relationship. Um, for me, so I practice relationship anarchy and just really trying to consciously deconstruct hierarchy and capitalism in relationships. And... I feel so grateful to be in that practice right now because it's allowing me to tap into support system and be available to support system in a way that might have been more challenging if I was trying to operate in hierarchies and kind of be under this premise like, okay, so I'm in lockdown with my partner. So like, I really only need to rely on my partner and um, that's the beginning and the end of it. But being able to tap into broader network of care and um, mutual aid and solidarity 
because of my understanding and my belief that every single relationship is a living entity and they're all equally important. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I've been investing into that practice over the last several years, um, I'm feeling really grateful for right now because I feel like I'm at a point where I can lean into that. Like I can lean into friendship and romance and, um, spiritual relationship like all these moving parts without like I don't feel like I've had to reorient much so I know that a lot of people are reorienting towards relationship right now because they have the time or they have the awareness that it seems like it's more urgent than um, usual but I think it's always urgent to be in right relationship and it's always urgent to be investigating um, how we how we understand and how we perpetuate and create and collaborate with others Mm -hmm. so you know i think that one of the things that's really always interesting about talking about poly is that uh you know there are these ideas or these words these labels models and stuff that float around and you know i think it's I think it's always kind of helpful to try and talk as explicitly as possible what we mean by that, because, you know, it's one of those things where one person's uh, relationship anarchy might be another person's, you know, something else, right. Or, or the, Mm -hmm. the, the level of anarchy or the level of whatever in their, in their definition of it might not be the same. Right. So can you, can you try and like sum up what that approach means for you? Yeah, it's funny that you asked me that because I'm currently trying to do that for something that I'm writing and I also have to do it for this community that I uh, want to be a part of. Um, and so I've been trying to um, pinpoint what my definition is right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like you're saying, like that's one of the tricky and challenging things about it but it's also the thing about it that i like is that the definition is always evolving Mm. which kind of brings us into the whole like reality of relationship the fact that it's always fluid it's always changing Mm -hmm. and when we're trying to pin it down when we're trying to contain it or control it that's when it becomes destructive or it becomes a struggle rather than a challenge Mm. and so for me, relationship anarchy right now is um, the phrase that I'm using to encapsulate the way that I'm committed to not not looking at relationships as um, places to extract or places to just get my needs met or to even just meet other people's needs. Mm-hmm. And... Um, also detaching from outcomes. And so I think that's one of the ways that capitalism shows up in relationship. It's like, okay, so what is this? And what are we getting out of it? And what's the future of it? And, Mm. you know, what are the rules? And what are the expectations? Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to put much more language to it other than not doing that and just sinking into trust and moving at the speed of trust, Mm. as Adrienne Marie Brown says, and allowing things to emerge and unfold are not things but allowing people and allowing myself and allowing relationships to become whatever whatever they are and so um i have like several relationships in my life that like are so incredibly intimate but um in our current socio-political constructs that would just be it would be in, in the container of a, of a friendship Mm-hmm. you know or it'd be like oh this this relationship seems like it's a partnership or seems like it's something serious and like those things can also be true um but just avoiding the whole or evading the whole pressure to um compartmentalize things and to um try to control the way that relationships are um what is the word try to control the way relationships are showing up Hmm. i find and so i think 
No, please no, go, go ahead. ahead. Please. <laughs> no, after you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you go, because I already forgot what I was going to say. So. <laughs> I, find, I find it interesting because, so I've also been sort of trying to think through what, you know, what does, what, what does my relationship model look like? You know, what, what is it that I'm, uh, what is it that I'm available for? What is it that I'm doing? You know, and, and, mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, I, I, like you, I struggle with it, right? Like it's, you know, there are people who are like, I'm a, you know, and they say like five things and they're like, they have this clear definition of, <laughs> of it and it's, it's great. It, and I'm like, and that's not me, you know? And I think that, um, I, I think that the idea of sort of uh, working to avoid uh, hierarchy is one that's definitely very important for me. You know, I'm really, I'm not interested in, um, in, in hierarchy over other people. And, you know, like the only, the only sort of prioritization that happens or that can happen is, you know, it's like, well, we we had the plan first therefore we have the plan doesn't matter what else is going on. you know it's like that's the that's the prioritization yeah. right and, um the prioritization becomes energetic like it 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 becomes like having nothing to do with okay well this is my partner so i'm going to choose them over my friend or whatever like right. i'm so far removed at this point from that way of thinking that i can't even really wrap my mind around it anymore but i know that most people are are in that mm -hmm. you know and i bump up against it in a lot of ways um in my friendships when i'm trying to cultivate intimacy that i forget people aren't actually used to cultivating in quote-unquote friendship mm -hmm. you know or when i'm like really fluid with um where i'm investing my time attention and energy and i think like that's actually part of what it means to not be operating in hierarchy in relationship is that mm -hmm. what you're doing is energetic management what you're doing is like maintaining your priorities energetically like what are you like you said what are you available for and what can you show up to with integrity and that changes day to day mm -hmm. Well, I think that that, I think that maybe either I have more work to do. Well, regardless, I have more work to do on deconstructing <laughs> the impact of, you know, capitalism and so on in my life and, and so on. Um, but I, I actually would say that I am a tremendously constant person. And so changes day to day. Yeah. Not so much, you know, and, and this is where, where it's interesting for me because I've, I've definitely thought a lot about this sort of relationship anarchy is, is that what I'm practicing? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe, right? Like maybe it's a, it's a helpful language around it, but my life is also tremendously structured, you know, between mm -hmm. um, being a, a halftime solo parent and running my store and, and, you know, all these things, my life has a really uh, high level of structure. And so, so the sort of the fluidity with which you, you talk about things is a thing that doesn't really exist so much in my world. And my, my instinct would just be to say that that is in large part because of um, who I am and how I am. But again, it's very, it's very hard to be certain about that in, <laughs> in all of these, well, with all of these constructs, right? So. Yeah. Well, I think that what may be happening here is we're talking about two different dimensions. Mm -hmm. So my, like, I, I completely relate to that. I'm a very consistent person as well. Mm -hmm. um, I take commitment very seriously Obviously, when I use that word, I'm not talking about in conventional terms, but I believe in commitment as devotion, and that's really important to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I also have a very structured life. You know, I run a business, and like I just mm -hmm. I like structure, but I like structure in the understanding that it's what allows us to have freedom. You mm -hmm. know, because it, like it eliminates unnecessary chaos and <laughs> makes mm -hmm. room for 
you to do what you really want to do or you to have the attention and energy that you desire. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I actually completely relate to what you're saying. And I think when I'm talking about fluidity and I'm talking about uh, changes in capacity, it's much more um, like emotional and spiritual, mm-hmm. I guess. You know, so like, for example, Monday I had like zero zero energy to talk to anyone and I had a prior a prior engagement to have a check-in with a close friend um and so anything else that I was any other conversations or relationship check-ins or whatever that I was invited into I had to decline because of my capacity that day Mm. whereas yesterday I spent like however many hours on the phone with two different people you know Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of what I mean it's like um Basically, the only way, uh, for lack of a better phrase, relationship anarchy is working for me right now is understanding that it is, for me, it must be completely and fundamentally based in my relationship to myself. Mm. And my relationship to myself has very little actually to do with the external world or the material realm. Like that's just the actualization of whatever alignment and whatever I'm creating in the other dimensions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. But that, I still might. I still might be high from the bowl I smoked last night. So. Uh huh. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think you're. I think you're making tons of sense. Um, yeah, I think. I think perhaps we are talking on different levels, right? You know, I mean, I think that. You know. Tending, tending to oneself. And following one's capacity is is super important, right? You know, and I think during this, you know, social distancing time more than ever, right? Like, you know, what's the what's the reality of where you I'm used at it? Today? You said time more than ever. <laughs> right. I Most know. popular phrase. <laughs> right. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I'm sorry. What, what can I say? They're cliches for a reason, right? Um, yeah yeah i mean i think that you know uh during any time of stress right you know i think that (laughs) there we go that's a good one (laughs) it makes way more sense to uh deeply check in with yourself about where you're at what you're available for and and then share that share that information with the people who are important to you and you know and and adjust the sharing of yourself accordingly right so right exactly exactly for sure and i think like when capitalism is running our relationships we don't do that we're just like okay i have to show up 110 all the time 24 mm-hmm. 7 yeah you know or conversely like people have to show it for me all the time 24 7 mm-hmm. and yeah. I, that's that's a capitalistic expectation that's an expectation of extraction mm-hmm. no for sure and so for me, like the phrase relationship anarchy is about flipping that on its head and being like, you know, it's anarchy against capitalism, actually. Mm. And not act- not any uh, necessarily any anarchy against concepts of relationship itself, mm-hmm. but against the constructs that are constricting <laughs> our relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think so, right? And I, I think that... I also, you know, I, I certainly really deeply identify with, um, you know, the the not having limits on friendships and whatever, right? You know, like the peop- some of the people that I'm close with, I'm close at a level which would make, you know, many, if people were jealous in relationships, they would be jealous of those relationships because... Right, exactly. They, they, exactly. Other, other than being platonic um they have all the rest of the markers of romantic relationship right you know like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a deep level of attention uh you know a sort of and that's unusual right a barrier barrier free level of sharing for the most part you know it's like yeah talk about whatever's going on you know um and Mm -hmm. so on right so yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and like I said, I feel so far removed from that, which is, I feel is such a great blessing to be able to say that I forget that that's the way people operate. And so I bump up against it. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I think it's like capitalism and whiteness go right in hand. And I think that that's definitely those, those barriers of intimacy um, play a huge role in how whiteness survives and how whiteness perpetuates in our relationships because it's all this illusion of separation, mm. you know? And it's like, no, friends go over here in this spot and you can't do X, Y, Z and you can't talk about X, Y, Z and you can't, you know, be full of yourself. And then like romantic relationships and sexual relationships in this spots. And yeah. um, I just like... I'm, I'm extremely passionate about smashing all of that fucking shit. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. You know, and like culturally, that's not foreign to me. Um, like culturally, so many of my, my titis, like my aunts, were my mom's best friends. But I didn't even know that for years, you know, mm-hmm. but the friends were just family. And that was just the way that it was. Right. And I know that a lot of us across cultures actually have that, that truth. But mm-hmm. we forget. No, for sure. Yeah, you know, I, I definitely had uh, aunts and uncles who were, who were not that, who were not actually related, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and my kids have those people who are, you know, they, they, you know, they refer to to one set of them, you know, a couple of my friends, as their 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 extra dads, you know, and stuff <laughs> like that, right? You know, like so they don't call them they don't call them things in general in that way but then when they when they talk with them they're like well you know they're just they're just like my extra dads that's who they are you know and so it's beautiful and i think that you know for me this this idea of like um parenting from a place where you know i want them to have those good deep connections with people who are wonderful you know and whether those are people who are you know, their friends, like their, their school friends or whoever, their, their age, whether that's, you know, teachers and mentors or whether it's these people who are, you know, friends of the family and so on, right? Like this prospect of them having sort of the opportunity to have deep, deep connections with people who are going to, A, nurture this, nurture them from a real place of love mm. and caring like absolutely mm-hmm. please bring as much of that into their lives as possible. Um, and also people who are um, in their, in their own various ways doing this work of sort of deconstructing expectation and, you know, uh, relationship hierarchy or escalators and other things and so on, mm-hmm. right. To like really allow them to have the options to see the world in a different way and to be, you know, more authentic, right? To be unfettered by a limited limited palette of options when they're thinking about who they want to build their life with and in what ways, right? Yeah. Community. What a concept. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a gift that I've been trying to give myself in my pursuit of relationship anarchy. Mm-hmm. because I have so much um, fracture in my family of origin and like fracture between myself and the concept of community. Um, and that's something that I've been thinking about a lot right now when all this shit is going down and going up um, that, you know, it reminds me of the the concept of chosen family, mm-hmm. you know, and I think like, part of my um, devotion to relationship anarchy is about creating that chosen family for myself um, and creating community for myself and allowing myself to have those options and allowing myself to receive those gifts that I am estranged from, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's, it's deeply, deeply um, political and it's deeply spiritual and it's deeply therapeutic. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, in a lot of ways, it definitely has been about having more sex and having more pleasure, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's just a symptom of the deeper reasons and the deeper purpose of why I've even been um, reconsidering the entire way that I've been conditioned to understand relationship and to understand community and to understand love and romance and 
um, even pleasure itself. You know, like I, I think that I get the, like such a deep pleasure from communing with my friends and like cultivating these intimacies that are like sociopolitically um, unusual mm-hmm. with them, you know? And so um, that, that gift that your children have is the gift that I'm trying to give myself and trying to give my inner child. And then, you know, um, simultaneously trying to give everyone I'm in relationship with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and like, I, I don't just have to be your friend. I can be your lover. I don't just have to be your lover. I can be your friend too, you know, or like, I don't have to just be your friend. I can be family and like all the, like you said, all these options that we can have. And also at the same time, um, interrupting that escalator. Like I like that you brought up escalation because I think that's another way. That's what I was trying to refer to earlier, talking about how capitalism wants us to focus on outcomes and creating outcomes of our relationships, you know? So it's always like, what's next? Okay, what's next? Okay, what should this be? Because of like this level of intimacy has to be matched up with a certain level of expectation and and output or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think it's, you know... um one of the things that I've been sort of looking at a lot over the last while is, is not dissimilar to what you're talking about. It probably is very similar just in, in my own language, right? Is going back and reconnecting with, you know, myself at different ages and sort of mm-hmm. offering myself those things that I didn't get at the time. Right. You know, and it's like, yeah. you know, and it's very interesting. Some of the stuff that returns from that, you know, and like, um, so like, uh, uh, one of the examples is like, you know, when I was a teenager, I spent a lot of time by myself. I mean, I, you know, I spent time with people too, but like in my house where I lived, you know, there wasn't a lot of like, if I, if I didn't want to watch the baseball, which I did not want to watch the sports stuff, then basically <laughs> it was just me in my room listening to music and mm-hmm. whatever. Right. And same. And, you know, as I've been sort of connecting to that part you know around some other stuff that brought it up one of the things that I realized was yeah that part has some healing or something that I can offer it now to be different um but that part also knows a lot about dealing with isolation you know and like Mm -hmm. through through the through the you know social distancing stuff I'm half time on with my kids and half time by myself right which is a which is a strange yo-yo of sort of everything and then nothing. Right. And, um, (laughs) and what I realized, you know, what this, this older part of me or younger part of me um, brought to the foreground was like, I know all about this kind of stuff and here's what Mm -hmm. works for you. Right. And Mm -hmm. so like, and so I've been doing some things like uh, tracking down records that I used to listen to during that time as well. And so it's like, Mm -hmm you know my 16 year old self listening to metallica or listening to punk rock <laughs> and whatever i've been like finding very particular albums and like playing them and stuff and just it's amazing the transformation you know I, I throw it on the turntable and i play it and then i go whatever do the dishes or draw or do stuff and there's such a colossal comfort that returns from those things which is which is very unexpected to me that you know sort of that that not only did those do those pieces have a need for attention, but they also have a mm. lot to offer, you know. And so it's, it's been a, a revisiting of those pieces and sort of uh, accessing them, which has been very very interesting. So yeah, yeah. I think it's so funny that you bring that up because I've been doing similar work with myself, and um, it is in no way in any shape or form unrelated to relationship anarchy, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of like internal relationship anarchy and just like overthrowing the the structure or overthrowing the hierarchy that my current, my present self, my oldest self has the authority, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. when like, if we're being straight up, like our our little baby cells are running the show like at least 50 percent of the time Uh you know all the parts of us that never got our needs met or that like 
weren't seen and all this shit like this is sure. this is what we're talking about when we're talking about healing and yeah. the work you know yeah. it's no, exactly. doing repair and being all, all... learning to be in supportive relationship with those parts mm-hmm. yeah you you want to you want to access something interesting about relationships go back and look at what was going on for you when you hit puberty right well, what were you involved in or or not involved in what was going on around you it's like man there's a lot of stuff that even after many years of working on things there's more that can be offered and, and learned from that stuff right so mm-hmm. you know yeah and so like disrupting disrupting those internal hierarchies is so essential to disrupting the external hierarchies in the relationships between ourselves and other people mm-hmm. and like i was saying like looking at relationships as places only where we get our needs met and meet the needs of others um, doesn't allow the room for um, other parts of ourselves to show up, you know, and just, it, it centers those parts of us that have unmet needs. And like, that's important, but it doesn't need to be the center, you know, but so often that happens because in relationship we're trying to do and we're trying to, provide for ourselves what sociopolitically and culturally is absent. Mm-hmm. So relationships like these intimate one-on-one containers get flooded with um, all the pain and all the grief in the absence of community. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there is so much medicine to be had in um, once again, having your relationship to yourself be fundamental to your relationship with everyone else so that more more can be possible than just the the strain of trying to check off all the boxes with each other all the time Mm -hmm. no for sure well and again you know as also in parenting right for me this this prospect of you know those those relationships have different dynamics you know because i am responsible for those people um but but that process of taking care of myself deeply in my relationship to them also creates a big difference right you know so like Mm -hmm. this this idea of like being really really clear about you know you know what do i need from them well you know i think the better question is what would i like from them please clean up your your plates you know (laughs) please take your stuff (laughs) to the kitchen please whatever um but there's a lot of ways in which in those relationships, when I see other people and I see people talk about things, um, younger people are denied the thing that older people would do, right? You know, it's like if people want to eat out, you know, like not everybody, but like, you know, if the kids, what do you want to eat for dinner? I don't want to eat it. Well, we're not eating it. We're whatever. But if the adult wants to eat it, it happens, right? You know? And like, so like just noticing those places where, you know, not, not, where, not where the parenting needs to happen, right? Um, but where the dynamics are actually, you know, ages dynamics, right? Dynamics around right. sort of thinking, well, kids don't know what they want. And my experience is kids actually mm-hmm. really know what they want. I knew what I wanted, you know? When my kids know what they mm-hmm. want. The, the scout group that I helped run, those kids know what they want, right? Is it always possible? Is it whatever? Well, that's a, that's a whole other question. But the idea that that they know at least as well and maybe better than we do what they want, right? And like when I say we do, I mean then like grownups are able to articulate what they want, right? You know, and I think that mm-hmm. it's very it's very interesting to sort of see those kinds of dynamics and and look at that stuff and bring it into parenting as well. And then also, as you were kind of saying, that idea of like, how do I make sure that I am um, showing up in a really, uh, with as much capacity as possible and with as much clarity about my needs and my needs and working to get my needs met in other places so that I'm not trying to get them met in ways that are unhealthy through the kids you know, it's to me, it's an exactly, it's an exact mm, extension mm, of mm-hmm. the same idea that I have in relationships, right? There are lots of, lots of ways in which anybody, you know, myself included, might have an impulse to get something met in a relationship that maybe it doesn't really make sense, right? 
maybe it's it's better off actually being mm -hmm. counseled about or met elsewhere or whatever as opposed to you know looking for that to be found in other ways so i don't know if that makes sense i feel like yeah. I drifted a bit there no no not at all i mean if you did it was to all the right places i think that it's like alternative relationship models that allow those options to even be possible of understanding like oh i can get this mean that over this need met over here or you know where is the appropriate place for this to take up space um and with the most consent you know um because i think often like what happens with hierarchy is that we're conditioned to think hierarchy is a synonym for substance or a synonym for meaning or a synonym for quality mm. but it's not you know and and i think like you're touching on that when you're talking about parenting it's just like okay here's the hierarchy so like i'm automatically you know in charge i automatically have the authority and I automatically know everything mm -hmm. you know and like but that that we actually removes us substance that removes opportunity for equality and that removes opportunity for depth and meaning to actually take place in the relationship and so that's true for every kind of relationship if we're relying on hierarchy to give context and to give meaning and to give definition to relationships then we're missing out on the whole point of relationship <laughs> which is that it's dynamic and it's alive and it it helps us tap into that part of ourselves that inner child part that does know what we want that is clear on our desires and i think that i think people often think polyamory non-monogamy relationship anarchy whatever it is is about having more quantity and like sure that may or may not be true um it really fucking depends but <laughs> to me these these alternative relationship models are about quality over quantity mm -hmm. you know because even if you're let's say you're in conventional relationship models and you're like okay well i have you know my partner and i have my family and i have my friends i have all this quantity and so i should be good i should feel like i have community but you can be totally missing the depth and connection that you actually crave and you actually desire yeah well it, you know i think it's a one of the things i've been spending uh you know some brain cells on um is what what kind of attention do i want what kind of connection do i do i want or need right now you know and you mm -hmm. know and i think that it starts to it starts to you know i mean theoretically there are many people i could connect with you know and, and i've been connecting with lots of people for sure um remotely and, and online and what have you um but it's so great to be clear about what kind of attention i want what qualities do i need it to have you know because you know talking mm -hmm. to my family you know my mom or talking to whomever is very different than talking to other people right you know is very different than um <laughs> you know a structured peer counseling session it's very different than you know whatever else right so yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's it brings us back in a really powerful and terrifying way to our personal ability to respond to ourselves and to adapt and to adjust and like the amount of discernment required to navigate unconventional relationship models or alternative relationship models with the least harm um takes time it takes time to gather that discernment it takes experience and and even when you have acquired some um the fundamental truth remains is that it's always changing what you need and what you want will always be changing and that doesn't mean like day to day like the example that i was using earlier right but season to season period to period like um because you're growing you're changing hopefully um and so for me i think what's cool about being in relationship with other people who are also devoted to relationship anarchy or um anti-capitalist relationship frameworks is that we 
have the room for that understanding, have the room for that knowledge that we're going to change. And when you are in relationship with someone else who also understands that God is change and change is constant, then you can change together. And there's a higher chance of longevity, actually. Mm-hmm. Because you don't need it to stay looking a certain way or stay feeling or being a certain way or showing up in a certain way. It can evolve and it can mature and it can deepen um, or it can spread out, you know, like just like nature, like the, the examples are endless mm-hmm. of what can happen when something's allowed to develop organically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, I think that the, the freedom in a relationship anarchy model is that um, relationship can look like anything that you, you collectively decide it looks like, right? That you collectively decide it makes sense that it looks like for both of you. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that is amazing and profound. And I think that it also, you know, you got to know what you really want then, right? Like if you're not going to accept the defaults, you know? Yeah. If you throw the, the hierarchies out, the responsibility increases. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Because <laughs> you, right? you have to shape it and you also have to be collaborative too. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. How do you, how do you, uh, how do you discover what you want? I've been in the habit of discovering what I want by playing around with what I don't want. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fair enough. So, I think I'm, I'm, um, more consistently choosing a different route to clarity which has so far involved a lot of contemplation and a lot of that surrender that I was talking about earlier of allowing things to unfold. And Mm -hmm. as they unfold, like paying attention to my responses and paying attention to what feels good and what feels supportive and what feels true Mm -hmm. and what doesn't. And so allowing like literally the process of being present and experiencing and experimenting to teach me what I want. So sometimes it is an excavation of an original desire that already resides within me. And other times um, I learn it from things that are happening outside of me. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's contemplation and, you know, journaling, like just asking myself, right. And being like, Oh shit. Yeah, there it is. And other mm-hmm. times it's like, Oh, I don't, I don't fucking know. Cause I wasn't taught one to even care what the fuck I wanted. You know, or I just don't know because this is all uncharted territory. And so I'm going to be open to um, not only allowing everything to unfold and emerge around me with this person or with these people or whatever, but to also um, look at the way that my desire is showing up in the process. So you have to move slowly for that shit. And I don't mean, I don't mean what I think I used to think that slowly meant, which is climate control, you know, and just trying to make sure everything's perfect or everything's um, contained or everything's um, organized or whatever. Um, but the the slowness that comes from actual surrender when you're just like, okay, I am going to pay attention to myself and to how I'm showing up and to what I want and need and everything else is only my responsibility to respond to, but I can't control it. I can't manage it. I can't, you know, do anything about it. Um, and that, that slows you down that, um, increases your presence. And I think for me, I've had the experience that increasing my presence has accelerated the clarity of my desire. Mm. You know, so less like looking for it and searching for it and more um, letting it find me where I'm at. Yeah. I I think I would, I, I think that the other thing that I, and this, you know, I think again, it's just, it's, 
sounds as I'm pondering it, it's the same thing in a different language, maybe. Um, you know, I think for me, it's also about noticing when it's there, right? Like, there are many things that if you had asked me, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not interested in yeah I, yeah exactly to that or i don't find yep. that hot or whatever <laughs> and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation you're just like oh baby yep. i just really really want that <laughs> and you know yes, and yes. it's like if you if you could be <laughs> present and notice those things then then all of a sudden it's like wow that's really fascinating right and i it, you know i was talking with uh with a good friend of mine this morning about um desire right and how desires like you know stretch your arms as far as you go and, and it desires a spectrum even bigger than that and mm. and yet mm. you know media is a little slice you know uh our upbringing is a little slice our experiences is likely a small slice and yet if we're present and if we're around you know uh and, and open then then maybe that desire can become something quite broad and surprising you know Mm -hmm. and and our opportunity for pleasure engagement connection and so on becomes you know quite uh quite broad possibly you know yeah yeah if we if we stop being so clinical about shit and if we Uh stop assuming that we're supposed to know everything yeah you know and like that's what i mean like sometimes i do know sometimes it is in there somewhere and sometimes desire is something that you choose, mm-hmm. you know, um, in like, in a manner of resonance, like it is so much about um, not making assumptions about yourself or other people and just literally tr- like letting yourself try things. But like, especially when you're an adult TM, you're not supposed to be trying things. You're supposed to have it already figured out. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that, yeah, this idea that we, um, it goes back to conversations that I've had a bunch um, around magic, you know, and this idea that for me, a lot of magic is identity magic now, right? It's this process of like changing who I think I am to Mm. be more who I actually am or to center those parts of me that are perhaps most um, uh, skilled, efficient, excited about, or engaged in a given direction, you know? And so like, I actually, like, I, I, I don't like accounting. I'm just going to come out and say it. I don't like bookkeeping and numbers (laughs) and taxes and banking and all of that stuff. Why not, Andrew? I can't imagine why. It's so tedious. I'll tell you, I can go on for a long time. We do next episode. We'll just do the uh, why does Andy not like accounting episode? <laughs> Buckle up, everybody! It's going to be equally as boring as you think accounting might be. No offense to people. I would love accounting. to come back for that, so we can both rage about <laughs> it. <laughs> um, you know, but but I also understand that um, clarity around the numbers of running my business is really mm. fruitful, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. clarity around the arbitrary and shifting rules around taxes is really fruitful and so on right and um and so i did a bunch of work to basically like manufacture my own inner accountant piece you know and it it took quite a while because it's it's one of the things that's sort of farthest from my punk rock soul but um, <laughs> no, but it but it happened, and it's there, and I can access it now, you know. And I mm. and I can I can joke about disliking accounting, but I can show up and do my bookkeeping without the the angst and inner turmoil that used to otherwise follow it, right? And I think yeah, that, yeah. that this that this sort of question of who we are, how we are, in really limited ways, can be shifted quite a lot. Um, if we accept that and if we accept that letting go of this sort of concrete hierarchical solid structural permanent idea of who we are for something much more fluid and flowing 
you know it mm-hmm. it allows us tremendous capacity then around work money love home life you know anything really right so mm-hmm. I think that you know that's sort of uh you know that that's the other side of maybe that presence for me right being very very present and uh loosening the reins on who i think i am yeah those two pieces together allow for some pretty wonderful stuff to emerge yeah they have to be in collaboration listen i must say something that i think you know <laughs> is one of the best kept secrets fluidity is a discipline uh-huh and i think that because of our limited understandings of discipline and of fluidity under the constructs of capitalism it's that's so hard to grasp and so hard to realize and that applies to you know our personal development like you're saying um and our relationship to ourselves and our identity and also to other people so relationship anarchy and like these other alternative relationship models like i was saying earlier people often think it's about like having more quantity Mm-hmm. you know and again may or may not be true but the the point the fucking point is that this shit is is so um so intensive it requires your discipline it requires your attention but not discipline in the way that we understand it um in capitalism and in whiteness and in the hierarchy discipline as devotion discipline as you know that clarity of commitment and that clarity of value and making choices whether you feel like it or not that are aligned with your values and in that way showing solidarity to yourself and showing solidarity to others mm-hmm. and this and like fluidity and discipline i feel like um i'm i'm really really excited and really eager to continue uh repairing the bridge repairing the the synonym bridge between those two words mm-hmm. yeah like we need discipline to be truly fluid and we need fluidity to be truly disciplined mm-hmm. yeah so it reminds me of one of my one of my magical teachers you know we were we were at an event and he was he was an interesting dude and he would like put people <laughs> on the spot and ask them questions as sort of like as as his teaching uh method you know and mm, i'm not really mm-hmm. uh, you know in i'm not really clear <laughs> in what ways that was helpful and what ways it wasn't uh, but there was a particular <laughs> evening where you know the, the the one of the one of the things that sort of just talked about is how like you know maybe maybe one in 10 people will make it past the first sort of level of training and kind of like western ceremonial stuff right and mm. you know i think there are possibly many reasons for that but uh but on this evening the person was was asking the other all the prospects um it's like why why do you think you're going to be different why are you going to be not the nine people who stop right and um and you know everybody had all of these answers and you know and a lot of the answers were around like discipline and strength of will and like all these kinds of things right and and my my answer to that was um because i'm always willing to give up who i think i am in order to discover who i am now you know and so that like fluidity right that you know commitment mm-hmm. to that energy right and i think that yeah i think it's a, i think it's 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 interesting to see how that flu you know working and being willing to sort of let go of your notions of who you are um can be so fruitful and helpful in situations right or the inability or the lack of desire or whatever it is uh around that can be so uh anchoring and problematic right you know so mm-hmm. yeah. I have a a horoscope membership that I I offer on my site and every month I like write about what's going on astrologically 
um, in a more distilled way and I offer horoscopes. And I've been writing so much about um, this, but in terms of thinking less about who I am and more about how I am and that how I am choosing to be and how I'm choosing to behave is who I am. And that's why it's so fluid, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's, um, I think it's allowed me thinking of it in that way, um, has allowed me some space from trying to just for me, because of like we were talking about earlier, like I am a very structured person. And so I do try to find the thing to hold on to, mm-hmm. you know, the, the one truth, you know, mm-hmm. um, I can't help myself. And so it's been helpful for me to do less of that in relationship to my identity and, and who I am and think more about how I'm choosing to be and allowing that to be where I focus my attention. And then having these really beautiful moments of, of looking at my growth and looking at myself and being like, Oh shit, like this is who I am, Mm. you know, and this is who I've become. And I used to be so focused on, who do I want to become and trying to have this vision of myself. And I think visualization and having a vision and all these things are, are really um, beautiful rituals for healing yourself. Um, And yeah, I've found myself straying from that into um, having gratitude or cultivating gratitude for where I'm at and, how I am and who I am right now Mm. um, so that I can, I can like actually be present, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so that's been my new angle in relationship to what you're saying about like, I'm always willing to let go of who I think I am, you know, for who I actually am. And when I stop trying to think of who I want to be, I can focus more on how I'm being and it's just been a really significant shift for me that, you know, of course has greatly impacted my relationships as well, because um, the same way we rely on hierarchy and relationships to provide us with the structure and, and the content and the quality of our relationships. um, I think we also rely on our ideas of who we are, who we want to be to kind of carry us through Mm -hmm. when it's like, you actually have to, be those things you know so how's that yeah. going <laughs> they, they, that has to be true right what you yeah. know at some level that needs to be true and in action right yeah because mm-hmm. i think that like yeah it's, it's, it's like this idea you know that we'll discover who we're you know like you know we'll discover who we're meant to be right you know like our you know our higher calling our you know our true nature or whatever mm-hmm. and it's like yeah, you could discover, you, you can get to that thing. But that thing is a living dynamic expression. Not, yes. a, not a like, you know, a fancy hat we put on and we're done. It's like, exactly. I don't know, that just continues. Exactly. continues. Yeah. I deal with that a lot with, or not deal, I have that conversation a lot with my queerance. Um, you know, people want to look at their astrological chart with those questions in mind, you know, Mm -hmm. what is, what is my purpose or who am I or Mm -hmm. all these, these questions that I'm deeply familiar with. Um, And it's been really beautiful and um, restorative in my practice as an astrologer to help people reorient towards you know, we can, we can talk about that in a meta sense, but like, where are you right now? You know, and what do you want right now? And who are you right now? And what's true right now? Mm-hmm. That's so much more relevant than any vision we can construct together or that you can construct on your own, mm-hmm. you know? And it just like takes us away off. It's like, oh shit. Like, okay. So right here and right now is is where it's at, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, for sure. That's it. Well, maybe that's a good place to to leave this conversation or to wrap it up. Right here, time. right now is where it's at. Right here, right now. That's <laughs> it. Just be, be right where you're at and, and see, yes. what, see what's going on from there. Um, and to follow Andrew and Ari's 16-hour uh, conversation about the intricacies of uh, 
accounting and their feelings <laughs> about it. Uh, perhaps with, with astrological and, uh, you know, uh, maybe some elemental and goetic magical insertions into the, in the mix. So, no oh, doubt. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> um, where, where do people come find you? Where, where's the place for people to track you down? Ah, yes, on the internet, um, Um On Instagram, saltwater.stars. On Twitter, saltwaterstars underscore. And on Facebook, saltwaterstars. So Perfect. the ocean basically is where you can find me or the sky at Fantastic. any given time. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this today. Thank you. Such a pleasure, mm-hmm. as always. Hey folks, thanks as always for listening. Uh, I super appreciate it. If you enjoyed what you are hearing, you can certainly help out the podcast and me by sharing this, by uh, pointing it to different people who might really enjoy it, uh, as well as if you wanted to get in on some of that Patreon goodness. Uh, I definitely appreciate the support in whatever ways that makes sense for you. Uh, and I hope that people are really enjoying the bonuses they're getting there. So we'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.